The Lord be with you. And with your A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, then treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. Amen, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Amen, amen, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything for which they are to pray, it shall be granted to them by my heavenly Father. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. The Gospel of the Lord. About this time last year, I was walking down a road in Spain, following little yellow arrows uh, in the sidewalk, pointing me to continue the path of the Camino down the road. When you walk seven or eight hours a day, though, sometimes you like to listen to something. So I popped in some music, was listening to music and enjoying my way, and got caught up in the music and was just walking down the road. When I hear someone shouting at the top of their lungs from off in the distance, Camino! Camino! Why would you yell that? So I took out my ear, earphones and I looked at him and I said, It's this way! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so <laughs> walked over to where they were going. And it was a great act of charity that they had done. Because if they saw me walking off into the distance to nowhere, they knew that at some point I would have realized there were no more arrows. And I had no idea where I was and no idea where I had left the track. And no idea how to get back necessarily other than just to walk backwards. It was a great sign of charity that they had done. Later on in the Camino, I was able to do the same thing and yell out to someone, Camino, this way. And they also were grateful. A sign of unity in the midst of it all. And this is what the scriptures invite us to today. Is a concern for our brother or sister. A willingness to speak to them when we recognize that they have gone a bit off course, unless they continue in that path to their detriment, we say something, we call out to them, we speak to them in charity. I want to reflect on three specific parts of this. One, our call to give corrections to others. Secondly, the times when we are receiving corrections from others. And thirdly, why we ought to have any concern about correcting others or being corrected by others at all. First, the giving of correction. In my experience, there are four things that are important and I would say necessary in giving of correction to others. Humility, charity, clarity, and prayer. If one of the four of these is missing, we can very easily go off course and what is intended to be a good thing can turn out to be a very bad thing. First, 
If we see someone sinning, if they sin against us, as our Lord says in the gospel, or if they're sinning against the Lord, as we hear in the prophet Ezekiel today, the Lord may sometimes put it on our hearts as he put it on Ezekiel's heart to speak to them. And it's important for us first to start with prayer. If we don't pray about these things, we may go about it in the wrong manner. So it's important for us, whenever we first have the thought of correcting someone in their sin, to be able to turn to the Lord. Essentially to ask the Lord, am I the one that's supposed to say something? When would I say it? How would I say it? These are important questions because, again, if done poorly or or done in the wrong spirit, they can do far more harm than good. If after praying you discern that the Lord is indeed calling you to go and to speak to your brother or sister about these things, then the other paces come into play. First, to be able to approach them in humility. If we approach an individual as higher than thou, as as holier than thou, as let me impart to you the wisdom that I myself possess and you clearly are deficient of, probably not going to work out well, right? Rather to come and to accept in humility to say, hey, I know I'm not perfect myself, but I think there's this thing that, that you might want to know about for your own good. And in that spirit, I offer this to you as a suggestion, as an insight, as a thought. To be able to go in that spirit, in a spirit of humility, rather than self-exaltation, is a great starting point. Because then it shows that there is something more at work. It's not just, uh, it's not one is greater than the other. Rather, it's that both are people walking together on the road. Secondly, to do it in charity. To be able to be charitable to speaking another person is an important piece. Charity in the sense of, of being able to offer a correction, not just for one's own sake, to get it off your chest, to have, to have said it, but really to care about the other person and the saying of it. To do it for their good, rather than just for oneself and one's relief. I've often heard the distinction drawn together in the, the disciplining of children. If you're spanking a child, there are one of two ways you can do it. You can do it to discipline the child, Or you can do it because you're angry and you want to beat them. One is acceptable. One does harm. That's the simple reality. And the same happens in our discourse with others. If we approach them from a charitable perspective, desiring their good, our words will naturally be more concerned about them. They will be cloaked in charity. In a similar way, as we're continuing in that discussion with them, it can be helpful to be able to give examples. Not simply to say, you're doing X, period, but to say, I noticed that when you did this, these things happened. Or I noticed that you said this. Or I noticed that you responded in this way. And here's how I perceive that. And here's, here's maybe, maybe why that might not be the best approach. Again, to approach with these four things is a starting point for one who seeks to give correction. But it doesn't always mean that it will be received well. You can have the best of intentions. You can approach in humility and charity, having prayed about it and having tried to be clear in a specific manner without trying to hurt the other person with genuine concern for them, genuine care. And they can still be very angry in response. They can still push back and resist. 
And in that, you can't control. Much as the Lord spoke to Ezekiel, if you say your peace and they accept you, fine and good. If they don't, it's not on you. Move on. You're innocent at that point. You've said what needed to be said. Which brings us to the second point, the receiving of correction. There are times in our own lives, if fraternal correction is happening of us doing it for others, others will also have the confidence to do the same with us, for better or worse. huh? If we're willing to offer assistance to others when they seem to be walking off the path, then they will do the same in Christian charity. And we need the same four essential elements when one is receiving correction from another person. Prayer. Humility, charity, clarity. Humility first and foremost. Because when someone in sympathy says to you that there is something that you are doing that is sinful, there is something that you are doing that is wrong, a natural human, a natural human response is defensiveness. We can get angry. We can start pointing fingers. We can start to, to excuse ourselves. Well, you don't understand. Let me tell you how it actually is and to re-explain the scenario in other words. And while indeed they may have a false understanding, if we're able to have humility from the start and to receive their words, to listen to them, the conversation can still be a fruitful one. To receive them also in charity. To welcome their correction because they are concerned about you. When the person called out to me and said, Camino, this way, I didn't say, who do you think you are? Right? That would be foolish. (laughs) I said, thank you. Thank you. Because they, seeing me go out of a concern for me, reached out. And when someone reaches out to us and says, hey, I noticed this thing that you do is not good for you. And it's not good for others around you. It's an opportunity for us to express gratitude, to indeed thank them for their willingness, indeed, because it takes courage very often to reach out and to care enough to say these things, to express charity in response, to express our gratitude in receiving the correction. And if they don't offer it, it's good to ask for examples, even to ask for suggestions on what might I have done differently. Or what do you think I could do differently? How could I have responded? All of these are ways and opportunities to enter into the conversation and to go to a place of a deeper reunion between one another. And then ultimately, being able to receive all these things, ultimately, lastly, to take them to prayer and to ask the Lord exactly how how one ought to respond. How is it that I should change Jesus? What is it in me that needs changing Is there something in me that needs changing even? And to be willing and open to receive the grace to do so and to strive to do so. Again, the giving and the receiving of corrections are difficult things sometimes, especially in our world that wants at all costs to keep peace. And for whom anyone who ever has cracked a Bible or even those who haven't know that Jesus said, do not judge, right? We have this idea that we shouldn't judge others at all. So we can never tell anyone that something is wrong. But Jesus didn't exactly say that. (laughs) He said not to judge others in a final sense. In the sense that one is lost or one is saved. This is the reality 
that is reserved only to God. But we can judge things as right or wrong because Christ himself has given us the ruler to measure things in their morality. Is this good or is it bad? Period. And we can expect these things. And we can, we can resolve these things with others. Again, not to judge persons, but to judge the actions that we ourselves do. And this is an important piece. Because if we allow sin to remain unchecked, it is only for the detriment of everyone. If we allow sin to remain totally unconcerned in one particular place, even a small sin, it will ultimately continue to grow and to produce more. It will become more grave in its sin. It will spread to other people. If something is okay for this person, then easy it is for other people to look and say, well, if it's okay for them, it's okay for me. And if it's okay for me, it's okay for you. And it's okay for all of us. And then sin just becomes something that we do. It's normal. It's acceptable. Everybody does it. But when we call sin forward, we call it into light and we recognize that this is wrong. And we can admit it for what it is and turn away from it and find healing and find peace. And this is what Jesus continues in the reading of the gospel. He has this, this, this reality of, of correcting your brothers and sisters. But then there's, there's the, the two statements at the end that don't seem to necessarily match up exactly. Very often Jesus will, it'll be a smooth flow when you understand where Jesus arrives at his final conclusion. But after talking about, you know, recon- about um, the corrections with brothers and sisters, bring them to the church. And if they, if they don't resolve the church, treat them as tax collectors and Gentiles, you know, distance them from the community until they're willing to, to come back, essentially. But then Jesus talks about reconciliation. Whatever you forgive on earth is forgiven in heaven. Whatever you, whatever you bind, whatever you loose is bound or loosed on earth and in heaven. And this is a simple reality that if, there's recon- if, there is, if there is division because of sin, it pulls us away from one another. But in Christ, reconciliation can happen. He's given us the tools. Sin doesn't have to just remain. It can be cast aside, set off. Cleansed, forgiven, and mercy can come and draw together in unity once more. Sin divides, Christ unites. And so in having the sacrament of reconciliation, having the experience of the mercy of God, is to be able to say that when reconciliation happens between, between two individuals, it can still happen to continue to immerse that in a deeper level in the sacrament of the church. That God can provide his grace to heal even more deeply than just the people gathered together can. And furthermore, he emphasizes the importance of that, of that unity. Because where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. To be reconciled with others is ultimately to build up unity in the church. To do fraternal correction and to do it well, to receive it well, is to build up the body of Christ. Rather than to tear down. Our, our fear is very often that we will tear things apart. And again, because we have to have virtue in prayer and you to be able to allow it to be fruitful. But when it is fruitful, it is incredibly fruitful. And it's transformative to the individuals that experience it. I can say this for myself as well. I've mentioned before. An own experience of my fraternal correction, one of many, it was the one that sticks out most boldly to me whenever I reflect upon this reality. 
I was in seminary. I was assigned to work as a counselor at a boys' wilderness camp up in North Carolina. And I, with all of my Louisiana skill in caving, because there are tons of caves around here, right? I was appointed the director for the caving staff, and a, a guy that I had met was appointed to serve along with me. And so we went off, and we found that we had a lot of connections. We knew a lot of the same people. He's from Homa Thibodeau, had been at LSU, and I had been at LSU. So we kind of knew a lot, of the, a lot of the same crowd, kind of similar cultural experiences. And so the few days we were on our clinic uh, training to be caving instructors, we spent a lot of time talking and visiting and, and kind of chatting about all kinds of different things. And at the end of my time, at the end of our time, uh, he had to leave early to go uh, to another training clinic for the camp, and I was remaining behind with the rest of the group. And right before he left, he pulled me aside, as Jesus invites us to do from time to time, and he said, Brent, I know you're a seminarian, and that means you're, you, you, you want to be a priest, you're heading to be a priest. And, and that's awesome. I'm, that's that's really, really great for you. I hope, that, I hope that if that's God's will, that it works out for you. And, but he said, but I know that, that that also means that you want to grow as a person. He says, I think, I think that's why you're here. I know that's why I'm here. I want to grow as, as, as a man and basically to become better. And this is a place where iron can sharpen iron as we live together here this summer. So he said, with that in mind, I want to let you know Something that might not uh, be good to hear, might not be pleasing to hear. And I said, okay. And he looked at me, and in terms that I will clean up for the sake of being a preacher in a homily, he said, Brent, you're the most negative person I've ever met in my life. Okay. <laughs> didn't hear that one, didn't expect that one coming. And I, I mean, he could, he could tell just the shock on my face of what he was saying. And I was like, what? Uh, what?" <laughs> and he started to give examples of, of things that I had said, you know, little, little remarks here and there, comments here and there. And, and in my head, it was all, you know, just laughing about things, joking about things. I perceived it in a joking manner. He did not. He saw something that I wasn't seeing my effect upon others with my words. And he, in Christian charity, was willing to say something to help me grow. And I recognized that it was difficult. Again, he said, he's like, if you want to talk more about it, I'll be, you know, we can get together at the camp in a couple of days when you come back. Uh, but he's like, I just, I wanted to, uh, I felt like the Lord was calling me to say that. And I wanted you to have some time also to kind of sit with it and just see what the Lord does. I said, okay. <laughs> so as, with as much humility as I had and as much charity as I could muster, um, I was able to take it to prayer. And the Lord really convicted me of the reality of what he had said. And it showed me then the importance of fraternal correction. And also, again, the emphasis that it's a difficult thing to do and to receive. But the fruits of it are absolutely incredible. Because 15 years later, I still remember his name, both names, first and last name, when I've forgotten most of the other people at the camp. I remember what he had offered for me. I remember his charity. I remember his boldness and his courage in speaking to me. And I still hold that as one of the greatest acts of charity anyone has ever done for me. Because he did it humbly, concerned for me, for my growth and holiness. He was able to be clear and give me an example of what I had done. And I know that he had prayed about it. 
He showed me what Christ calls us to do. He showed me how to do it. And he gave me a great lesson on how to receive it. And today, even though I haven't talked to him in all these years, he's still one of the people I value most, as most impact upon my entire life. Because of one thing, done filled with charity. And this is, again, the unity that Christ desires. A building up of the body of Christ. It can be a scary thing. And so we approach in prayer. The Lord God invites us always to be people of prayer. From time to time, not always, and not too frequently, lest we just be the person that tells everybody what's wrong with them. But from time to time, the Lord will put on our hearts and lead us in prayer to speak to a brother or sister in Christ. To say, hey, I've noticed this thing, and I think you want to grow, and I love you enough to help you grow. Let's talk about this. The Lord will put it on our hearts. We pray that by the Eucharist that we receive today, we may also be continually increasing in the virtues of humility and charity that will help facilitate those conversations, as well as any conversation, that ultimately we might be able to experience something of the unity of the body of Christ, which he himself desires.